Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Today, we have an ally in the cause on the show. You know, I often have uh, men and others on the show who are in support of our fight for equity in the workplace and equality in the world. And I'm super excited to introduce to you today, Dominic Cervoni. Dominic, how are you? I'm going to call you Dom if that's okay. Please do. Thanks. I'm doing, I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to our discussion today. You bet. You bet. So you and I had this really robust conversation quite a while ago, maybe more than a month ago. Um, so I'm excited to introduce you to the world of my listeners. Uh, why don't you, in order to you know, start off and sort of set the stage, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Happy to. So I'm currently in-house counsel at HSBC Bank. I focus primarily on litigation for our investment bank and high-risk U.S. regulatory matters. Before joining the bank in 2013, I was an attorney at Mayor Brown in New York City working on similar matters. I grew up in New York. I've lived here my entire life, uh, married my wife, Barbie, and we have two uh, beautiful kids, Ben, ages seven and Sebastian age five and a very large labradoodle named Charlie. <laughs> well, first of all, let me interject. I love that. Um, you have the, the, I mean, like everybody loves a New York accent, right? So I can totally pick up the accent. People accuse me of having one too, but from the South and I say, no, I don't. I'm not sure what you mean, but I love your accent. Your kids' names are gorgeous. Um, that's wonderful. And the fact that you even have a Labradoodle is pretty cool. And then the last point before I let you go on, um, you used to have my house note. <laughs> I think your bank was the, the bank I paid my house note to for quite a long time. What compelled you- I hope everything worked oh, yeah. out smoothly with that. <laughs> oh yeah, that, look folks, I'm proud to say I never had to meet Dom or hear of him before today. <laughs> No, they were great. Client service is really something there. Um, at least in my opinion, my experience was they're really great at that. So um, let me ask you, how, how do people benefit? Like, I know what you do day to day, um, but I think there's something else that's important to you. We, we should talk about, and I want to know a little bit more about that. And then, you know, share that with my audience. It's very moving work, what you do. Well, I appreciate that. So I believe what you're alluding to is that you know I'm a I'm an advocate for mental health and well-being uh, with a particular focus in the legal industry, though you know it branches out to to everybody, quite honestly. And really, what created this profound interest I had in really just overall health and well-being of of people is you know my my wife was sick, very sick a few years ago. She had been diagnosed with a very rare cancer and a very rare or even more rare autoimmune disease. And 2016 was a particularly difficult year for all of us. Uh, our kids at the time were ages three and one and Barbie had to undergo several invasive procedures to remove the cancer, um, which, which were successful in that regard. But unfortunately her condition continued to deteriorate and nobody could tell us why. And we then transferred her care, the Miracle Factory at Memorial Sloan Kettering. And within a week, we had a diagnosis and it was this very rare autoimmune disease that was triggered by the cancer that was causing all of these 
just crazy and, and um, debilitating symptoms like insomnia and muscle twitching and weight loss and, you know, things that, that you and I do on a routine basis that we don't even think about, like sitting down, standing up, sleeping, going for walks, feeding ourselves, feeding our family. She couldn't do any of those things. She was just in, in that bed of, of state. And thankfully, I'll cut to the chase. Just, you know, she's doing very well today, several years later, uh, still living with cancer, but it's, it's controlled. If you met her for the first time today, you would never know that anything was ever wrong with her. Her smile radiates as, as brightly as ever, and her energy and her tenacious spirit are infectious and totally grateful for her recovery, for the, like I said, miracle workers at Sloan Kettering, for our family and friends and, and colleagues who supported us. Um, watching your significant other yeah. go through what she went through, watching her body fail her the way it did, um, at one point the light bulb went off and I said, you know, this sucks. Yeah. However, I'm not going through that physically. Like I'm actually physically healthy. How lucky am I? How lucky are we that at least one of us is physically healthy? And it just, um, it highlighted, it underscored the importance of our health. At the, at the, for my wife at the time, it was mostly a, a physical thing, though if you've met me, or know anybody with cancer, there's a huge emotional and mental politics as well. Go ahead. Let me ask you about that. So um, first of all, I have a family riddled with cancer. So I've seen that part of it, but for you to have the additional layer of stress of the not knowing this additional, um, you know, debilitating part of this caused by the cancer, the unknown, right? So how scary was that? And, and yet you both had to raise these two little kids. And, you know, so I, I sit in empathy to a degree and that I have many family members who've had cancer and I've seen it, but that part about not knowing the, the additional debilitating, um, you know, autoimmune malfunction due to the cancer, that must've been really scary. And yes, yeah, Sloan Kettering is the world's, I mean, one of the world's best, if not the, so I, a big, big shout out to them. So what, like what, let me ask you, how did you feel when they came to you and said, well, here's what's happening and it's because of the cancer. Was there, even though she was still, you know, debilitated, wasn't there some relief in knowing? Absolutely. So to answer your first question is we had, in my mind, and I was, this is me being a bit, I think, naive. Like, oh, she's going to have surgery. They're going to get rid of the cancer. She's a remarkably strong, healthy woman. Otherwise, she's going to recover in no time. And this will be long-term a blessing in disguise. Like, how ridiculous does that sound? Right? Like, I, when, yeah, when yeah. I think about it, I was like, my poor, I was telling this to my poor wife who was suffering. And then when she got worse after the surgery, that is when it, that's when it sort of hit me like, wait a minute. This wasn't, like, I don't understand. You're telling me that you removed all the cancer, but she's not getting any better. Yes. Like, what the heck is going on? And so, yeah, there was a 30 to 45 day period where we had no idea what was going on. We were driving to all of these specialists and doctors and no one could tell us what was wrong with her. And then we met with Sloan, the doctor, Dr. Riley, um, phenomenal human being, but doctor as well. And he said, you know, I see, I've, I've seen and treated a lot of patients with the type of cancer that you have, um, but I've never seen anybody sort of quite in the state that you're in right now. 
Um, let me, give me a week. Let me talk to some of my colleagues. Give me a week. As hard as, you know, that sounds. Yeah. And within a week, he had this idea that he thought maybe it was this autoimmune thing, again, which is incredibly rare. And he sent us to um, another doctor at Sloan. And never forget, we drove into the city. It was Good Friday. I'm Catholic. It was Good Friday, 2016. And they went through some tests and told us, yeah, you have this like, really rare autoimmune disease that's causing all of your issues. And so then we were admitted into um, Sloan that night and stayed there for about a week or so celebrating you know, Easter uh, yeah. at Sloan Kettering. And I, and I mentioned the Good Friday part because our sons, our two sons were born on Good Friday, two years apart. Whoa. And so oh this my, was a, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So this it's was like incredible a story. I, I tell people, I tell people we were, I was praying for a different kind of Good Friday miracle that yeah. day. And there was a sense of an immense sense of relief once we had a diagnosis and they still right. uh, a light at the end of the tunnel. It still took several months and different types of treatment to get her to where she is today. Well, we eventually got there and yes that that good friday oh i'm crying was, I'm, uh, a day i'll never forget yep i'm catholic too so um <laughs> we're both italian and catholic so i hear you in every way what you're saying um what an amazing i bet your every good friday since then has been you know remarkable it's like you know easter is a very very important holiday in the catholic tradition in the catholic faith but for you good friday is probably you know right up there with easter and christmas <laughs> that's incredible it is uh it's it's always it's always been a uniquely spiritual week holy week yeah. for me in particular good friday it's just it's you know i don't want to get too much into religion but uh, it's always been a uniquely story. spiritual day for me yeah Right. And so, yes, to answer your question, yes, it's taken on a whole new uh, meaning for us. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would say my um, Catholic friends and family, my mother used to be a nun. That's a story for another day. But my Catholic friends and family um, who are, you know, they know I'm not religious, but I'm highly spiritual. And, and that is a beautiful holiday and it represents something special. But for you, um, incredible to have two kids. <laughs> Wow. And then I believe you can consider what your wife went through sort of a rebirth, you know, she's healthy again. And so why don't you tell us a little more about the journey? Sure. So this was all going on and it was incredibly scary and stressful. And I was not at my best a lot of the time, not knowing how to handle it and getting frustrated and angry and resentful and all, all types of, you could say negative emotions. I know some people would say there are no negative emotions, but um, not handling it in a way that like I would say I'm proud of right. but something eventually like light bulb went off I was speaking to somebody professionally about you know dealing with all this and I said let me take a step back I can't and I remember this distinct conversation I had with myself in the car in my driveway um, I can't you know stop tumors from growing in my wife's body I can't rehabilitate her physically I can't you know ease the physical pain which is a terrible feeling, by the way, as a husband, but what can I do? And so I started focusing on things like that were within my control that seemingly had no real connection to uh, helping my wife feel better, but did. So, you know, let's call her friends and have them come over on a Saturday night and they can watch a show with her. You know, let me 
get all the files, medical files, and transfer them to Sloan. Let me talk to my financial advisor and make sure our financial are in order. Let me, you know, perform as best as I can at my job so that I still have a job and I'm able to support my family in that regard. And then eventually, as she started to get better, there was a there was a a, a um, deliberate decision to not let what happened to her be in vain. It was a deliberate decision to say, this sucks. However, something good is going to come from this. Like this wasn't, we're not going to let Barbie suffering be for naught. Something good will come from this. And it's on us, it was on me to really help facilitate that. And, and that's what we did. So personally, um, I became very focused on my own health, my physical, mental, emotional well-being. I started exercising routinely, started reading a lot of books on the subject and started to just try to project positivity into the world and really use my wife's suffering as a means by which one, I can live a, a better life, um, one with more passion and gratitude and empathy, um, but also it gives, you know, whole new perspective on life when you go through something like that. And so every day since then, yeah, I'm not, we're not perfect. Obviously I still get sad or angry or frustrated about things that are otherwise trivial, but it was a deliberate decision to say, you know what, we're gonna use the bad and, and turn it into something good. And so day to day trying to do that. And then also with the book that I wrote, um, I, I'm sure we can get into that. Yeah, point, I was going to ask you about um, that. I do want to say one quick thing um, to the listeners. If you've never been through a tragedy or a trauma of any magnitude, much less this magnitude, it might be difficult for you to understand how, how you know, we really have a different perspective. Those of us who've been through major trauma like this your life probably changed forever, right, Dom? I mean, yes, it's normal to have, and I do believe in negative emotions and all the Jungian psychotherapy that addresses the shadow self and all that. But for you to come out saying, I'm going to use this to channel it into something positive and good so that her suffering was not in vain is so powerful. And look, you're, you're a litigator. I know you folks. I'm married to one. I mean, it's, it's hard to have things happen in your life that you can't control, right? So um, yes. I'm just so in awe. My jaws dropped. My eyes are welling up with tears. Um, because when we talked, I knew a little bit of this, but we certainly didn't go into this beautiful, beautiful detail. So what did you do to channel this new energy? Sure. So on a, on a sort of individual, personal-wise basis, I started waking up at 4.30 every morning to exercise. Um, and started sort of just, you know, my wife's a registered dietitian, so that also helps in terms of maintaining, you know, your, your the physical well-being. Um, but also, you know, reading books, getting smart on things. You know, I, I love books about uh, organizational psychology and um, just behavioral psychology and peak performance and, and all those sorts of things. But then also carrying that forward in my everyday, having, you know, putting a smile on my face at work, asking people how they're doing and actually taking a second to listen to them instead of, you know, just making it a formality, um, appreciating my walk from Penn Station to the office and passing through Bryant Park and the trees and the grass and green and when the sun is shining and all these things that we take for granted, uh, I was yeah. no longer taking them for granted. And so that was one very real and positive thing that I did. And I think, you know, my wife and, and those in my immediate circle, I think did the same thing. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, we wanted to, my wife and I wanted to sort of impact as many people as possible with what she went through. And so I ended up writing a book. 
I, I self-published a book called From Tragedy to Triumph, How My Wife's Courageous Battle with Rare Cancer Has Motivated Me to Live a Better Life Filled with Passion, Empathy, and Gratitude. And, you know, self-published, this, this is not like a money maker. This is not like, oh, I'm going to be on Oprah one day to talk about this. This is just- <laughs> Hey, <we> wanted, <laughs> you're on my show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We want to tell the story. And if we can help just one person, because the realization is that, yeah, maybe the specific um, illness for Barbie was fairly unique, but people are suffering every yes. day, everywhere in the world. People are suffering. Maybe they don't have cancer or maybe they don't have some crazy rare autoimmune disease, but people are suffering every day. And if I, if we were able to use that suffering and, 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 um, at the appropriate time, challenge into something positive, uh, maybe we can help other people do the same. And so we wrote the book and we published it. All the proceeds are donated to Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Um, and that was, you know, one way to sort of give back and try to, you know, help as many people as we can. And look, you know, maybe it sold a couple hundred copies, but I will share this one specific story just to highlight how it's all worth it. So there's a, a woman who I went to um, an all boy Catholic high school on Long Island and I'm still fairly involved with the school and on the alumni board. And, and one of the women I met is also involved with the school has become a friend now. She wrote me um, a handwritten note after she read my book. And you know, this day, like not, not many people write, take the time to write handwritten notes um, or cards anymore. So that right. even without reading any of it meant something to me. She basically said, I'm paraphrasing that, you know, she has a family member that was recently diagnosed with, with breast cancer and was having a really difficult time with the diagnosis and, and just the physical symptoms, all the things that go along with suffering from breast cancer. And she read the book and immediately had lifted her spirits and was so grateful that we had shared Barbie's story and it really helped her deal with what she was going through and the treatments and the diagnosis and all that. And I distinctly recall, I'm sitting in right now talking to you where I was sitting when I read the card. And I looked at my wife and I said, this is precisely why we wrote the book. Yes. One person, but it only takes one. Oh, and, and let me tell you something. I'm listening to your story and I'm welling up with tears because when you are courageous enough to be vulnerable and to share your journey, the good and the bad, um, you give others permission to be real and sit with their vulnerability and turn it into a strength, right? So being authentic and, and dealing with human emotion and not just trying to be perfect and strong and right all the time um, is what we need more of. I personally would love to, um, one, have your book for myself, but I have people in my life I know would benefit from this book. No kind of, um, no kind of action like that is for the money. We know that, right? So no one does this purpose-driven work um, for the money. If you're in it for the money, you go be a hedge fund manager, right? You don't, you don't. Yeah. So I love that you're donating the proceeds to Sloan Kettering. That that's amazing. Um, tell me where you are. Where is your wife now? Like, how is she now? So before I answer that, just you mentioned vulnerability. Um, one of the chapters in the book is the power of vulnerability. So wow, um, oh. observation on your part. <laughs> and I talk, I, you know, when I, I talk to people like you and others on the subject of well-being and mental health, you know, we, we do talk a lot about vulnerability uh, and the power of being vulnerable and sort of sharing really personal human stories because of how impactful they can be 
on others. And you're absolutely right. You said it perfectly. You know, when, when somebody is vulnerable and shares a story, you're implicitly giving permission to other people to do the same. And I'll come back to that to the extent we tie it into sort of organizationally what's going on in the corporate world and more of a mental health well-being talk. But back to my wife. So she can, she is a registered dietitian. She writes for a website uh, part-time from home and she is doing phenomenally. This is the longest she's ever gone without a treatment. So the autoimmune disease requires that she receive um, infusions, you know, every eight to 12 months, depending on how she's feeling. And they still, you know, the, the, the disease manifests in still these weird symptoms like muscle twitching and fatigue and pain. Um, but really it's a, it's a, it's a sort of a, a pain tolerance thing for her. She's pound for pound, I think the strongest person, forget about woman, strongest person I know. Wow. And, and so she has, an, an, in part because of the, everything with the pandemic, but she's feeling well. And, and I'll share with you that um, she's always trying to push her body, right? In terms of like exercise. And she started doing some, you know, fairly strenuous, challenging exercises during this pandemic and sort of, you know, um, encouraged me to do the same. And so we'd be doing sort of the same workout routines, uh, you know, at home on demand. Oh, I love so, that together. Yeah. She's, Yes, exactly. And challenging each other. And so she's feeling well, she's feeling strong, uh, totally positive and upbeat. You know, she has her moments like we all do. And sure. there's a underlying fear, right? We have the two kids now we're in second grade and kindergarten and she absolutely, um, I think she would tell you this, her, her biggest joy in life is being a mom Yeah. and um, cherishes the relationship she has with our kids and, and being around for them. So taking them to school, picking them up, cooking them meals. And so She's, she's, I mean, I'm, you know, to put it bluntly, she's, she's kicking ass. Good. And you can be blunt on my show. We say words like that. Um, and, <laughs> and worse, we are real, the real deal here. Let me ask you, do you mind sharing the name of this autoimmune disease? I'm just curious. It's called Morvan's syndrome, M-O-R-V-A-N-S. So when they told us this, this 2016, I Googled it and there wasn't a lot on it. And I, 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 I think I recall reading that, you know, maybe, you know, at the time, like there was like 30 reported cases of Morbin syndrome, like ever wow. in the world. Um, it's become more, I would say prevalent, but like you see a little bit more now. And um, I think there was, part of it was they didn't, there was all these physical symptoms that were happening with certain cancer patients and they didn't know sort of what it was. And then, you know, I don't know how it got phrased, Morbin, but that's that's what it's called. May, it's all it, well. I don't know either. I'm going to look it up when we're when we're done with our um, interview. But I bet you it has something to do with the doctor that discovered it, or name. You know, they usually name. I that. think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Let me ask. And just you know what about Barbie? You, you had asked. I just one more. Just one more thing. I'm sorry. When you had said like, what are some of the things you're doing to channel some of the positivity? When Barbie started feeling better, we had an fu Morbin party at the house. <laughs> I love it. See, that's the kind of show this is. <laughs> and and look, folks, yeah. look, you know, uh, uh, Italian people, right? <laughs> we are passionate people. Um, we love hard. Yes. We play hard. We fight hard. Um, it's how we are. Um, all with the softest of hearts, right? Hard heads, soft hearts, hard working hands. That's what I like to say. Let me ask you about Barbie. Does she ever? Um, you are clearly 
look meant for the stage meant for the show meant you know you're you're really good at storytelling um i get drawn in when you talk does she do this too does she ever tell her story or talk about her journey yes so we um one of the organizations we are deeply passionate and committed to is it's called cycle for survival this movement to beat rare cancers that was founded about 13 years ago and through its partnership with Equinox and Sloan Kettering, it's raised over $40 million over the past decade wow. or so. Uh, um, actually, I'm underselling that. It was, that, was, that was one year. It's over $200 million, excuse me, um, in the fight against <laughs> cancer. And, and basically, um, from January through March, this not this year because of the pandemic, but um, in Equinoxes all over the country, they right. host uh, cycle events. And fundraisers and people, you know, get their teams and they fundraise and they go. And it's a four-hour event and you, you know, you ride your bike for a certain period of time. Loud music, a lot of cheering. You hear from the Sloan doctors who, um, who, who get to use the funds and they talk about all the research that is that is the the uh, the, the, the byproduct of all the the fundraising. And so she has spoken at those events a couple of times about you know her journey and everything that she's been through. And she's also you know some blogs and articles and things of that nature, yeah. Well, you know, annually I host a, an event that uh, my last one was December 15th last year. I had 200 and some odd people in the room. And then I had women like your wife come up and tell a TED talk of their story, right? Just shining a light on those women, amplifying their voices and encouraging everyone in the audience to get real in the workplace as well, right? Not just when you go home, but, but create a work setting where we can be who we are and be appreciated for the differences we bring to the table. So when my next one happens in person, I think that'll be Chicago, but it'll be after, um, of course, after a vaccine is, is found. But if not that one, maybe the next one, maybe she would want to come share her story on stage. Yes, I think she would very much appreciate uh, something like that. Well, I'd love to get and to just, her. And, and look, yes, I don't um, want to discount, look, so she's very brave and courageous and she went through this hell and is still, you know, going through it to a degree. Um, but kudos to you too for being that guy, right? Being the partner who can, you know, you had the tough time. I wouldn't have believed you if you said you didn't have the rage filled days or the resentment filled days. I wouldn't have believed you. So I think that's the human condition and it's a natural journey to go through that. And then you climb up out of that into where you are and look what you've done with it. So kudos to you as well for being the partner everyone dreams to have and especially in a moment in time like this. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, Sometimes it feels, um, I like to consider myself a fairly you know, humble and modest person. And sometimes the, the attention feels uncomfortable because for me, you know, I, you, you've, you've referenced, you know, the Italian American family uh, a couple of times. And, you know, as you know, family first has, has been That's right. a value instilled in me at a very young age. And um, like I said, I, I certainly wasn't perfect. I had my moments more than I would have liked to in terms of, you know, being down and resentful and angry and frustrated, um, but but there was never any doubt about you know this is family, this is my wife, and you know trying to support one another. And, and thankfully, it wasn't just me. We had her family, my family, our family, all coming together 
to uh, to help out. But I appreciate um, the kind words. And just because I don't want to mess up the, the the stat, Cycle for Survival to date has raised over two hundred sixty million dollars in support of brain cancer. And our team name, for future purposes, is called the Bad Bees. The Bad Bees. Yeah. So I'm Bad Bees. You know, Bad Bees. B as in Barbie. Yeah, or you know, like you know, like bad ass bitches kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you can say so bitches on my show. <laughs> <laughs> we are crossing. But yeah, that's kind of like a play on that. I <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, like, I love that. Nothing like, hey, don't mess with the bad bees because they'll come get you. Um, I I love exactly. that. Um, I'm gonna put all of this. In fact. Once we're done with the interview, my listeners know that I create a blog and it's got a lot of great information in it that isn't, that's maybe referenced on the show, but I want links to your book so we can buy your book. I want, you know, to, to mention the bad bees and, and um, you know, I'm actually going to use the real word, <laughs> the bad bees. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny. But no, they get access to all this because I want people to get to know you. I don't want, so I don't create celebrities on the show. I create um, people that others can relate to. So I want everyone to know, regardless of someone's title or pay grade or where they work, um, they are human. They go through, you know, and I want people who listen to understand that you know, Dom, because you have this really great job at this, you know, Fortune 500 company, you're still human. You go through the same things everyone who listens goes through. And so I try to get people to be relatable. And uh, that is why storytelling is such a powerful tool in creating empathy, engagement, and then raising awareness, but also prompting action for change, right? So, if you just told me, Dom, go do X, Y, Z, as an Italian woman, I'd be like, oh yeah, really? You go do X, Y, Z. But if you tell <laughs> me, <laughs> if you tell me the story of why X, Y, Z is so important to you and meaningful, then when you say, will you help me in doing X, Y, Z? I'm going to be like, sign me up. You bet. Of course. So um, yeah, storytelling is a great gift that many, um, many people don't have, right? So you definitely have that. Um, litigators must in some way have that too, but you are definitely an authentic, uh, genuine storyteller. Um, I can smell a BSer a mile away. You know that Italian people can do that for sure. Um, but you're awesome. So let me ask you, how can people, if they want to learn more about you personally, Barbie's journey, the family, anything they heard today and they're curious about, how can they reach you? Sure, I, I appreciate that. Uh, well, the, the book is available on Amazon, um, so you can find it there. I will send you the link after we speak. Say the name, huge, name of the book is what? From Tragedy to Triumph. From Tragedy to Triumph. I know you said that earlier. I just want people to be able to write it down, and I'll also put it in the blog. And I'm not a huge social media person, but I am on LinkedIn, um, and I could send you that link, and I am on, on Twitter as well, at Dom Cervoni. And uh, I'll send you, I, my wife is, you know, because of her job, really, she, she is very much uh, involved in social media uh, as well. And I'm happy to send you um, her links as, as well. Um, you know, yeah. what she does, is, like I said, for her job. And so she's got a lot of, you know, delicious recipes and advice about, you know, healthy eating and healthy living to the extent folks are interested in that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah. 
there are those of us who oh, I used to be one of those people who was interested and involved, like healthy eating, healthy living, 12% body fat worked out two hours a day, six days a week, really ate healthy, didn't drink alcohol. Um, and then there are those of us who are um, interested from the sidelines, like the new me <laughs> that could that could yeah. use a little bit of Barbie in my life, right? So why don't we um, send me- Hey, look, what I, what I, yeah. what I tell people is, and, and Barbie would say this is part of, I actually learned this from her, it's part of her philosophy is, you know, becoming the healthiest version of yourself. Uh, yeah. There's no, uh, it's different for everybody. No, it's not a one size fits all. And at the end right. of the day, it's really about, how do you feel? Do you feel well? Do you feel, do you have energy? Are you thriving? Do you feel good about, you know, your health and your day-to-day? -day? And that's what really is the important thing. And yeah, there, you know, there's, there are extreme examples where even if you say you feel well, but maybe you should get some things checked out. But like that, those are the extreme examples. It's really the individual. How are you feeling? How's your energy levels? Are you happy? Yeah. So what I hear you saying in that, that gives me, um, makes me smile is I really, you know, in my younger years, I would compete against others, like what I thought was the standard. But now I know I compete against who I was yesterday. Very well said. Well, I just, I feel like I have a twofer on this show. I just love Dom and Barbie both. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate the that. kids and the labradoodle, the whole thing. So we want to share some pictures that tell the story of you, your family, your journey. Um, I'll share everyone's social where you um, get, send me that info. I'll put it in the blog. And I look forward to a conversation with you after this interview because I have a really big idea and I would like you to be involved with it. I absolutely. Thank you very much and humbled. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being in, in our, on our show today and in your skin is what I like to say. You're real, you're authentic. Your story is unique and different and I'm sad that you went through it. But honestly, because of the good that's come of it after, I'm sure there are days where you're like, we didn't lose, we learned and now we are changing the world. Um, I'm gonna continue to pray for your wife and I have since the day I heard your story. Um, it means a lot to me. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Well, if you need anything from me, you knew, you know where to reach me and folks, thank you so much for listening in. You know that I'll put this up within a week on my freemanmeansbusiness.com website on the blogcasts page, and then I'll share it on LinkedIn and I'll tag you Dom so that you can comment or reshare if you'd like. That'd be great. Thank you again. I, uh, I enjoyed our conversation today and for the opportunity to share our story. You bet, you bet. Have a good day, everybody. And we will talk again soon. Bye-bye.